Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diokis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. So hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39. We're getting close to another round number. Hooray. I'm excited. Also, you need to give me a recap, because I do not remember where we left things. Yes, As there per was usual. lots of Mithridates stuff. Yeah. It takes some recapping. Also, the family tree doesn't make it any easier. Uh, we're not going to worry too much about family trees now. Great. We're just going to pretend. It, That's fine. Yeah. Mostly because A, historians aren't really sure, <laughs> and also it's not especially important to the, to the story. Also, if I sound a little bit weird, I am on a different microphone today. I apologize uh, to everybody. Hopefully it doesn't take you too much out of the episode. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so today's episode is going to be on the I, which is a new name that we're going to have at least two of. So Gatarzes exciting times. With a G or like... Gatarzes, yes, it's... Yes, G-O-T-A-R-Z-E-S. Gatarzes. Huh. Okay. Or at least that's how I'm choosing to pronounce it. Good. Might be wrong, but there we go. Artistic choice. Yep. So this is our first episode that is fully in the Parthian Dark Age, so we'll get to see how that goes and how we can extrapolate stuff from coins and fragments of historians. But yeah, so as you mentioned, let's start quickly with a bit of a recap of what happened last time, where are we, how's the Parthian Empire doing, what are the goals we're aiming for? So, what happened last time is that the Parthian Empire was close to falling, it was going to collapse, nomads in the east, rebellions in the west, everything was on fire at the same time. Oh no, oh no. Yeah. Which is when the young Mithridates II, Mithridates the Great, showed up and absolutely mopped the floor with everyone. Yeah, unexpectedly. I was very happy. Yes, managed to save the Empire from annihilation, but not only that, he improved it to a level that had not yet been seen. He started up the Silk Road with Han Wudi. He managed to pacify the East and the West. The Nomads are no longer a threat. In the West, he managed to take a lot of land from Armenia and put his own puppet king on the throne, a man called Tigranes the Great. Right, right. So, not bad. He also managed to take lands from the Seleucid Empire so that the Parthian Empire extends to the Euphrates River in the west. That's now the new border. And once he did all that, he improved the status of the empire, made a carving with himself next to Darius. You know, very humble of him. Because, yeah. And once he did all that, it looks like he had his son Gatarzes as co-king for like a year before his death. And... That's where we are. This is the situation that we've been met with. So things are going very well. Problem is, we don't really have too many sources Mm. because the Romans are looking internally for a while. They're going to be dealing with a lot of civil wars, a lot of messes going on. The whole Marius and Sulla rivalry, which is going to extend into Pompey's rise. So... Right. All that is why we don't get many sources. Is this the time when we essentially had someone be like, yeah, uh, he went here and came back and somehow 
yes. was super rich. Like it's like, oh yeah, th- these people are not a threat anymore. But like no explanation of what battles happened or like how that came to be. It was just like, oh yeah, this happened. Yeah, pretty much. And that was before <laughs> no the Dark Age, I will point out. Oh. That was when everything was going well. Yeah. The Dark Age means we don't even get that. Fun. We just get coins with different images and we need to creatively establish, ah, yes, the fact that this guy has horns on his helmet means this thing. Ah. Good, oh, cool. God. Do we eventually get, I mean, I assume, but like, when will we start getting some, like, Iranian sources instead of having to depend on the Greeks and the Romans? Well. Because this is because it's mostly oral tradition, right? This is because it's not, yeah. Yeah, basically, Parthians don't tend to write a lot down. They have a lot of oral sources, and they are, you know, orally transmitted later on. But like with the Iliad, for example, you do get a vague idea of what's going on, but you don't know, ah, yes, in this date, this person did this thing. It's very much, we were fighting with the nomads at one point, we won, hooray. But it's not really telling you what Mithridates did. Like, there are no epic poems about Mithridates the Great. Hmm. He's just Maybe that's the problem, guy. you know? Maybe there should be. I mean, there might even be. The thing is that I have seen some scholars try to identify certain uh, heroes in the Shaname with Parthian characters that were just sort of transmitted in this way, but we're not really sure. You can only extrapolate so much by saying, oh, yes, Rostam is this character because he is a great hero that goes and uh, destroys his enemies, that sort of thing. Clearly. But yeah, when we'll get the next Iranian sources is... Uh, we get some Iranian sources. I saw one in a museum oh. last weekend, and I was oh. very excited because I was like, oh, yes, I researched this. I can read. Oh, it's on the tablet. Hooray. That's so cool. What was it? It was a stele by Artabanus III, oh. we'll find in a while. But it was basically him solving a local dispute, and from there you can extrapolate a lot of interesting things about his reign. Uh, but we'll get that. The first real sources where it's somebody actually telling a full-on story are past the Parthian period. In the Sassanid period, we eventually get Sassanid kings telling us what they did, their opinions on things and all that. But it's in a while. Uh, cry. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll make do with what we have. I'm sure I'm not the first person frustrated with this. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> the problem is also that the Sassanids who come after the Parthians are going to, you know, since they're a new dynasty, they're not going to take too much care to carry on Parthian stories. Right. Unless they were so detached from the dynasty that they were neutral. Yeah. For you. So, yeah, there. This is the world we're living in, but we'll at least get a lot of Latin and Greek sources starting in about 40 years. Mm. Okay. So, stay tuned. So, okay, let's start with Gatarzes. Who is he? Where does he come from? What's his deal? It looks like he was the son of Mithridates II and his designated heir. Although there is some sort of disagreement on who exactly he is, on what we know about him from before he was king. Because the first mention of a Gatarzes is in Mithridates' monument at Behistun, you know, mm-hmm. next to Darius's, where there is a guy called Gatarzes, named Satrap of Satraps, next to Mithridates. Okay. And, you know, if he's next to the king on this important portrait, then 
probably is an important figure. So it might be this Guitarzis, but the disagreement comes from the fact that the first coins of Guitarzis as king show a relatively young man, mm-hmm. which some people say, okay, well, why is he depicted as a young man here if he was on a stone inscription 20 years earlier? That doesn't yeah, really no. fit. What? So is it him? Is it not? But also another thing might be that the coins might just have been made hastily at the succession because, well, they needed to put out the word that, oh, yes, there's a new king and they didn't have time to make sure it was perfectly in I mean, line with but what like, it was like. They would know, like, even if they haven't seen the king, so, like, maybe the likeness is not the same, wouldn't you know if it's, like, a 20-year-old or a 40-year-old? I mean, I guess you could, but then you also, in, like, official portraits, you don't want to show your king as an old, decrepit no, man. No, and you course, want to show him like... as a young and vigorous and strong and powerful. And he's the new king. Okay. How do you distinguish him from the old coins of Mithridates? That's well, because he's much younger looking. Okay. So you can see both sides, you know. Yeah. It makes sense that it's either or. But personally, I think that it's a bit too much of a coincidence that you have another Guitarzis on the inscription called Satrap of Satraps, and then a guy called Guitarzis succeeds the throne. Yeah. That feels weird. But anyway, make up your own minds. We'll see how it goes. Vote now on the number shown on your screen. <laughs> yes. Press the red button to vote. So as a prince, we don't really hear too much about Guitarzis. We have this inscription that might be about him. What we're pretty certain about is that Guitarzis marries his half-sister mm-hmm. as his first wife. And then he also marries a daughter of Tigranes, the Great of Armenia, as part of the deal. So essentially, mm-hmm. when Mithridates made Tigranes king of Armenia, he made sure there was this marriage pact to consolidate this whole vassalization that was going on with kingdom of Armenia. Mm-hmm. So that's all we really know of Guitarzis as a prince. Our next point comes during the succession, because we mentioned it a little bit last time, but I'll reiterate it here, because we're unsure how smooth the succession was. Because we get some coins of Mithridates and Guitarzis roughly at the same time in Babylon. They're being printed at the same time. Okay. So, one interpretation is that there was a civil war. Guitarzis tried to overthrow his father. Mm-hmm. And they went a bit back and forth. One of them had Babylon for some time. Another had Babylon for another time. Bit of a back and forth trying to fight over it. And then Mithridates was either defeated or died. Natural causes. Mm-hmm. So that's one version. The second version is that... Actually, Mithridates was just getting old, and he decided to appoint his son as co-king. Yeah. So they could rule together for a while and make the succession smoother. Last time. That's sort of the one we liked most, because it kind of makes more sense. You know, Mithridates had a glorious and stable reign. It would be weird that his son and heir just decides, oh no, I'm going to start a civil war now. First of all, that. Second of all, he did seem like the kind of well-organized and good ruler who like would do this to ensure a flawless like transition once he died yeah right? exactly. it kind of he makes is... sense with like how he's been ruling so far yeah he doesn't seem like the guy to just leave the succession to chance he seems like the person to just carefully plan it out make sure everything is working and then okay good guitarzies you can be my co-king so 
when he dies eventually, Elise Gatarzis can continue ruling as if nothing had happened and just be king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we agree that that was the version, but there are others who dispute this and go for a more violent point of view. What? Well, I, I mean, I guess you could make the thesis for that, but, like, yeah, I don't know. It would be so weird. Yeah, then it, again, it feels out of character, but yeah. again, we don't really have the sources. So, yeah, then again, we're telling you know, stories when real life doesn't really adhere to a narrative, right? So Yeah, I mean, also, uh, we don't know what their personal relationship was like. Maybe yeah, they had terrible yeah. falling out at some point, and this is what happened. But exactly. I'm going to stick with my favorite option, that Gatarzy's just succeeded regularly to yeah, his father. Yeah, it seems the most likely, you know. Yes. So, okay, Mithridates II is dead. Long live King Gatarzes I. Yeah. Now, Serial, what do you remember about the Parthian method of succession? That it was um, elective, in a way? Yes, that's correct. Like, it didn't necessarily have to be a descendant by blood. It got chosen by whoever was in power. Yeah. And by the nobility. Yeah. So the problem with this is that, well, in the past we've had pretty smooth successions. Everything was in order because the nobility was small and more localized into the core of Parthia, you know, the traditional kingdom. But now that Mithridates II is dead, the nobility has been spread out across this vast new empire. So you have Nobles who have large estates in Mesopotamia, nobles who have large estates in Sakistan, nobles who have large estates in the center of Iran. Mm-hmm. So, due to the size of the empire, the nobility has much more differing interests than what they had before. Also, they're now being called to choose an heir to the throne when the whole empire is prospering. It's not an emergency situation like last time where they need to choose somebody good and it's really important that they choose somebody good because otherwise the empire is gone. Yeah, yeah, oh my god. Now it's, there's a glorious, beautiful empire. I mean, don't f*** it up immediately, but like, it should, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah, but now the idea is that the nobility wants to choose a king that will make their interests. Yeah, and of course. You know, if you're living on the western border, you'll have a different interest to somebody living on the far eastern border. Mm-hmm. This is when the fatal flaw of the Parthian Empire shows up. Oh, God. <laughs> because different sides of the nobility decide that they would rather have different kings. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, we have that a majority of the nobility seems to support Gitarzes and uh, follow Mithridates' wishes. Oh, so, like, dude... Good. After Mithridates did so well, why don't you trust his judgment for how it should continue? Yeah, but maybe you don't want a strong king anymore since the Empire is doing well. Maybe you want a weak king that you can easily manipulate into giving you tax breaks. But, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the problem with, like, having rich people decide. Yeah. In the end, it's always their interest. Yeah, it's not the state's interest, it's their own private interest. Yeah. So, well, what happens? Well, in the East, we have that a branch of the nobility, which is also closely intertwined with the Saka people who have now settled in Sakistan. They support a man called Sinatrukis to be their version of the king. 
Apparently, Sinotruches was the son of Mithridates I. Was who he? had now grown up. It seems like it. Okay. From everything that we can tell, it looks like it. So he's a cousin okay, of okay, uh, Gatarzes. Yeah. So now Sinotruches is in command of some eastern provinces, and he has the support of the remaining Saka people who have now settled down. The ones that weren't annihilated by Mithridates. Right, yeah. <laughs> Instead, in the far west, we have that... Uh, another brother of Gatarzes, a king called Mithridates III, has taken control of Mesopotamia and Media, including Babylon. Mm. So he is the king for the Western faction, and Gatarzes is stuck in the middle trying to deal with whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's slightly concerning, but let's see what we can do here. So we're told to start with that Gatarzes began his campaign against his brother Mithridates in the West. Mesopotamia is rich and important. We want to make sure we have control of that area and everything is nice and stable and clean. Mm, of course. So Gatarzes starts this war against his brother. In the meantime, Mithridates, this new usurper, decides to get involved into a Seleucid civil war. Because Fun. yeah, we love that. It's the ever-burning civil war that's been going on for the last 50 years. God, I'm glad we, like, I can't (laughs) help but feel like we should also be paying attention to that and covering that because, like, you know, it is kind of, I mean, not our fault, but, like, the the remnants of what we were, right? (laughs) Yeah. But, like, oof. Sorry, Seleucids. Yeah. If you're interested, join on Patreon. We might have extra episodes on that if you want right? to ask for them. If you know, want to see everything on fire for longer. Yes, everything on fire constantly. It's great. But yeah, so there is this ever-burning civil war. Mithridates gets involved in it and he supports one claimant over another one and so he manages to win this part of the civil war, places his own puppet king on the Seleucid throne. Mm. Hooray! Syria is now sort of part of the empire now. It's under a usurper, but, like... Sort of, kind of? Kind of, sort of, yeah. But this is Mithridates, the usurper, trying to take over Syria. In the meantime, Gatarzes, our protagonist, has marched west, and it seems like he has managed to achieve some very good victories. He's managed to retake Media, retake Mesopotamia, and he meets Mithridates in a climactic battle where... Eventually, Mithridates is killed, and Gatarzes manages to reunite the western part of the empire. Hooray, one usurper down. We've made it. Right. That sort of leaves the awkward situation of who is the puppet king in Syria a puppet of now? Mm-hmm. Because Mithridates is dead. Right. Does, does, the, does the Seleucid king just default to Gatarzes now, or is he free? What's, what's going on right now? If you put a weak king that you were supposed to control on the throne, but then you lose said control, that kind of, you know, leads to an awkward situation. Yeah, it's awkward. It's kind of weird. Everything is kind of shaky. So at this point, what does Gatarzes do? Well, he wants to clear up the situation. He wants to put his own puppet on the Seleucid throne so that there's no ambiguity. We'll make sure that, yes, Syria is ours. So what does he do? Well, Gatarzes writes a letter to Tigranes the Great, his vassal, and says, 
Hey Tigranis, I'm the new king. I don't know if you've heard Mithridates is dead. By the way. Yeah. How about you invade Syria for me and just put on a random Seleucid? I don't care. They're all the same to me. And then on the throne, they'll be my vassals and we can all be a happy vassal family. What do you think Tigranes does? I don't know. He's called Tigranes the Great. Um, would he, like, take advantage of this and just do it for himself and cut out the middleman? Yes, he does. That is correct. Yeah, because I'm like, someone is asking him, like, hey, can you do the hard work for me? And then we share the profits. And it's like, oh, thanks for the idea. I'll just do the thing. No sharing involved. Yeah, pretty much. So Tigranes sends back a letter and says, actually, I was a vassal of your father. I'm not your vassal. So maybe stop. (laughs) I'm not yours to order around. I am going to invade Syria, but I'm going to take it for myself. Have a nice day. Signed, Tigranes. XOXO Tigranes. Yeah. So Tigranes invades Syria, manages to put his own Seleucid puppet on the throne, becomes king of it. And not only that, but Tigranes manages to invade the Parthian Empire. He takes back the so-called 70 valleys that Mithridates II had taken from him in exchange for giving him the throne. So Tigranes takes all these lands and at the same time manages to launch an invasion where he burns the royal palace near Ekbatana. Oh, well. So that's not great. No. Also, at this point, Tigranes decides to go in his nice new city of Tigranocerta and call himself King of Kings. Oh, because I love this. Because I don't recognize your authority. Yeah. I'm the King of Kings here. That's a pretty clear message. Yeah, pretty much. But fortunately for Guitarzes, it turns out that the Romans are making a mess of everything. Oh my god. And the first Mithridatic War has started in Sorry, Anatolia. just every time the Romans come in, I'm like, can we not do this? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they have to. And, well, this is all the people of Anatolia, Mithridates the Sixth of Pontus, with his ally... Tigranes the Great, are now trying to kick Rome out of Asia and send them back to their own continent. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. No spoilers for how Roman history ends. I guess. But yeah, so at this point, this moment of peace, at least for Parthia, allows Gatarses to try and reorganize his kingdom. Because Sinatruches is still in the east, rebelling like it's unclear how much of the east Sinatrukis has if he owns Sakistan or if he's sort of been exiled into the steppe where he's living with some of the remaining nomads who are trying to bring him to the throne we're not sure what his situation is but it's not been completely ended so Guitarzis can reorganize a few things so he starts by moving the capital away from Ekbatana where the palace was recently burned by Tigranes mm-hmm. And he takes the capital and moves it over to the new city of Tessaphon. Oh. This is funny to me. Every time that you say, oh, they move the capital, I just imagine a giant claw machine <laughs> picking up the yes. capital. Dropping There's it a tiny else. UFO. Yeah. Propping it all up and moving it away. But yeah, so he arrives all the way to 
this new city of Tesfan, which, if you remember, is basically on the other side of the Tigris from the city of Seleucia on the Tigris, which had been the replacement for Babylon. Yeah. Because Tesfan, at least, doesn't have so many Greeks, so you don't really have to follow their authority. It's a lot more of a Parthian city. It's easier to control. So we're moving further west. We're seeing that the focus of the empire is moving more towards the western regions. And at the same time, it looks like Gatarzes finished the work on the relief that Mithridates II had built at Behistu, the one next to Darius. Mm. We're unsure how much of the relief he did, because, you know, putting himself next to Mithridates is pretty good to legitimize yourself. Mm. Because, hey, remember him, he did great. I'm next to him. Mm. And also it's possible that Gatarzes put his own son, a man called Orodes, in the relief just next to Gatarzes. I see. So it might be that he's legitimizing his dynasty in a way by saying, hey, look, here's my father, he was awesome, and hey, here's my son, he's also in the picture with Mithridates. Yeah, he's so also He should great? be legitimate. <laughs> he's also maybe great? Who he's knows? also, well, he's here. You know. Yeah, he is present. <laughs> Sorry, and, that's so mean. <laughs> and yeah, we're not sure if it's actually Erodes, though. It might just be some other important noble. The problem is that erosion has cancelled the writing under that portrait, so it could be Erodes. That's what some people have assumed, but it could also just be some other guy. Damn, erosion. The terrible enemy of history. <laughs> yes. Always going it around is. vandalizing stuff. Yes, age is problematic. Two vast and trunkless legs of stone and all that. Mm-hmm. But this leads us towards the latter half of Gatarzy's reign, because we're not sure how it ended, but it's very similar to how his own reign started. Mm-hmm. Because in April of the year 80, we get reports that Babylon is under control of King Orodes, and there are coins from King Orodes being minted. Ah. So, again, we have a situation sort of like what happened at the end of Mithridates II's reign. Did Gatarzes appoint his son as co-king and then die shortly after? Or is it Orodes, who has seen the unstable state of the empire... And the fact that there's still rebels in the east, everything is a bit shaky, Gatarzes hasn't done a great job, and he's the one to take the throne, and so Orodes rebels against his father and tries to take control. Mm-hmm. So it could be one of those two, peaceful or violent. A third theory that is entirely unrelated. Third secret thing. <laughs> yes, a third secret thing is that Orodes might have been a rebel all along since Mithridates II died. And this is just Orodes winning the civil war at last, Uh. at the end of the reign. So maybe he controlled the more Iranian core, and then he just took over and won. Again, my favorite is still the co-king, because if we've agreed that Gatarzes was co-king of his own father, it makes sense that he would make his own son co-king and follow in the rhythm. But there is this ambiguity. It's unclear what happens. I feel like we're going to have a lot of this. Yes, the next couple of episodes are going to be like this. It's like, we are guessing, and, you know, 
this particular guess is based on these particular things that we found. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it depends. It's messy. Uh, but yes, that is the end of the reign of Guitarzes the first. For all that we know of him. It's so this sad. Like we found I mean, out. not that the reign is sad. It's just I am sad that we do not have more information. It's yeah. a shame that things get lost. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We have a few episodes like this. We have two more of this type. Then afterwards they become... Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel shows uh, up. And we can be like, oh, yay! The Romans are writing about us. They're being weirdly racist. Yeah. They're Romans, I guess. They're, yeah, I mean, they're the Romans. <laughs> what did you expect? Yes. Like, it just benefits them to other and to alienate anyone outside of the Empire because it's easier that way. It's also fun to see how the Romans write about the Parthians early on because at the beginning they haven't realized the Parthians are the ones they're going to be locked in a death match with for the next yeah. thousand years. So we're not they're like just... mortal enemies yet. It's just like, oh, there's these guys. Yeah, they're just like the next barbarians over. It's like, oh, you know, we fought Pontus, we fought the Seleucids, we fought Egypt. This is just another one of those. Mm -hmm. We'll just eventually expand. They haven't realized how the story <laughs> is going to play out. Wow. And then eventually you see, oh no, in like one, two, three, four, in five episodes, they realize, oh no, this, this isn't the same. Turns out we are a force to be reckoned with and also, yep. god damn it. Go away, Romans. Stop <laughs> messing with our empire. Oh, yeah. It'll be very fun. I'm excited. I guess it doesn't point. work, that Stay saying there. of like, well, there's enough world for the two of us. Because when you, like, when your goal number one is to expand your empire, then I guess there isn't enough space for the two of us. Yeah, no. Everybody needs to stop. <sighs> Damn. But yeah, so are you ready to rate Guitarzi's cereal? Yeah, let's do and it. see... How he compares to his father, Mithridates the Great. Hmm. Well. I mean, could have been worse, so. Okay, so our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? We don't really what know about his again? death. Yeah, I was like, what happened in his death again? I Did I not pay attention? Or like... In the worst case, he was overthrown by his son and yeah. presumably killed. Best case, he died peacefully after appointing a legitimate successor. Right. Uh, like, a zero. Uh, yeah, like, between there's, there's not knowing not and also the options being, eh, you know. Yeah, mostly, if it were one of the two options, I might give something. But since it's both, it's either terrible or boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> eh. Yeah, I think a zero is fair enough for final moments. So with a zero and a zero, we get a zero out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? He had some success. Let's put it this way. Yeah, we haven't had many, like, terrible defeats, right? I don't remember. It was nothing too bad. So on the upside, he managed to, well, keep Sinatrukis in the east. Sinatrukis does not manage to invade the rest of the empire and overthrow him. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good. That's all right. He also manages to defeat Mithridates III, his brother, the usurper, and manages to sort of retake Mesopotamia and Media, that part of the empire, 
which had broken off in the succession. On the downside, he is pretty seriously outmatched by Tigranes the Great. Because... Yeah, I he... honestly was more interested in Tigranes than in our, like, episode guy. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tigranes, there's a reason he's called that. Yeah. Also, potential extra episode on Patreon. Oh, we don't get an episode on him at all? Okay. Well, I mean, he's a king of Armenia. Yeah, but, I don't know, maybe he would end up conquering the empire. I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't read the history True. books. You'll have to see what happens, yes. Wouldn't be the first time we're like, and we're changing dynasties again. Oh yeah, definitely, it could happen. But yeah, so Gatarsis loses the 70 valleys to Tigranes. He loses Tigranes as a vassal, which I guess isn't fully military, it's more political, but still, he loses some land to him, and also his palace in Ikbatana is burnt to the ground by Tigranes. Yeah, whoops. And Tigranes only stops because he's distracted by the Romans in the west. Yeah. So, eh. What happens to Tigranes and the Romans? We'll get to find out in the next couple of episodes. Oh, okay. It's not no finished spoilers, yet. Then. Yes, no spoilers. We'll see what happens to them. And yeah, again, potential extra episode. Join Vote to find now. out. On yeah. your phones. We are literally voting. Like literally. Go to Patreon. What is it? Patreon.com slash Patreon.com forward slash so you think you can rule Persia. Yeah. So smooth. There is currently a tie in the votes, so hey, if you want to hear more about Tigranes, the great. Vote for him. All right, all right. But like, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, regarding battle hardness, it's, um, like, I think it's, it's fine. I'm, it's not bad. I'm thinking between a three and a four. Yeah, I was going to go for a three. Yeah, because he keeps the civil wars at bay, but regarding external politics, he loses. I'll go for a four because, you know, like he didn't do badly. Well. <laughs> I'll three, go for a three. I think I'll that... go for a three. That was my original like gut feeling, and I think it's yeah. Incorrect. I think when your palace gets burnt, you can't really have that much of a claim to glory. Like he kept his throne; the civil wars didn't overthrow him. But yeah, they moved the capital. So yeah, a three and a three gives us a six out of twenty for battle hardness. Good. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulations? Ah. We don't really hear much about anything. He what? Plots? What does he do? He mm, no. I mean, the only <laughs> vaguely plotty thing that he does is try to put his own puppet on the Seleucid throne. Yeah, I was gonna say Tigranes, we had some, and that fails. We had some puppet king stuff going on, right? Yeah, but then it's not clever and it fails. So yeah, I feel like a full-on zero. I mean, scheme is the only thing you could give him is trying to overthrow is if you agree that he tried to overthrow his father. Nah, but he didn't. Believe that, so. Come on. I think a zero is perfectly fair. How about you? Yeah. Maybe I won for the puppet king nonsense. He failed, okay. but he tried. Okay. So, yeah, you know. I'm sticking with a zero, but if you're going for a one, we can, we yeah. can go with that. We'll share it. So with a 0 and a 1, we get a 1 out of 20 for scheminess. Our next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Eh. He presumably had his brother killed due to the Civil War. Right. right. But, like, is that really shocking? Yeah. He married his half-sister. 
we've seen it before, but I guess it's a little bit shocking. And... I mean, it's half-sister, not sister, so, you know. Yeah. We've seen shocking. worse. It's not a closer relationship. <laughs> God. But otherwise, he moved the capital. That could be maybe that's a not, little bit that's shocking. That's not but shocking. That happens all the time. He moved the capital because his palace got burnt down? Maybe. I mean... It yeah, would be something. shocking if he burnt it down. Yeah. But, like, just on its own, like, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with, like, one point combining everything together. I am not. I'm going to go with a zero. I don't see... Okay, so we're going to alternate here. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm grasping at straws, but I think one is fine, but nah. We'll compromise. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Okay, so that's a 1 and a 0, giving us a 1 out of 20 for shock factor. Mm -hmm. And our next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire overall and Iran in particular? Okay, there's more to talk about here, at least. Yeah. So, on the bright side, he defeated his usurper brother Mithridates and took back Mesopotamian media. That's nice. Mm -hmm. He managed to hold back his cousin Sinatruki's in the east, no terrible breakdown in power. We agreed that he managed to appoint an heir before dying and smooth over the succession. That it wasn't a civil war. Yeah, we've decided. Yeah, we've decided that's our favorite version. So the empire is reasonably stable. But on the downside, he lost Armenians as a vassal and lost some territory on the border. And... He does end his reign in a state of some sort of civil war in the East. He doesn't solve the civil wars. He just keeps them at bay. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that the Empire is definitely worse off than what he got from Mithridates II. I mean, yeah. Which, like, Mithridates just did so well and, like, he should have kept it better. Yeah, he should have been able to hold everything in order. Yeah. So things are going poorly. Like, of course, we're comparing changes against, like, a very, very good period, right? Yeah. So, like, any change will be, like, slightly worse, because it would be really hard to go further up. Yeah, but but you could at least pull a Xerxes and make sure that your golden age continues and is nice. Guitarzes is just kind of melting (laughs) and trying to hold on. So, yeah, I think... I'm going to take away one point for losing Armenia, another point for losing the war with Armenia, Mm. and I'm going to say one more point for leaving the kingdom in a state of civil war. So I'm going to stay with that's pretty bad. honestly. Yeah. I will copy you. I think that's a a solid argument. So, yeah, Guitarzes, you get, with a 2 and a 2, you get a 4 out of 20 for Aaron Shine, being the second worst Parthian. But, well, you know, we haven't had that many Parthians, so... Nah, it's been right so far. And our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this man looked like? Okay, I'm gonna need a minute. Go for also, it. Also, I haven't even formed, like, an image of what this man looks like. Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. Let me pick it up and describe it to all of you. okay very nice so dear listeners what we have here is guitar z's 
Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I've been exhausted this week, so not my best work. <laughs> he has a long, scraggly beard. He has a nice helmet, sort of like what his father had, Mithridates. It's this uh, big helm with a lot of pearls or precious, semi-precious stones on it. There's covering for the ears. He has a nice cloak with uh, jewels on it as well. And he is smirking and holding an, an Uno reverse card saying, yeah, very It's my famous, puppet king now. Very famous game from back in the day, you know. Yes. <laughs> Parthian Persian game Uno. We know this. Yes, it's ancient. Uh-huh. And saying, It's my puppet king now. Presumably referring to the whole mess with Syria that was happening with Tigranes and Mithridates and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where it didn't end well for anyone. So thank you, Serial, for that lovely drawing. You may all find it on our website, as usual, in the link in the description of the episode. Okay, and now let me show Serial what Guitarzies actually look like. Okay, here you go. Can you see Guitarzies? Okay, okay. Oh, this is so fun! I could have (laughs) done so much better in my drawing. (laughs) Still has the very interesting prominent nose like Mithridates had. The, like, hooked bulbous nose. And, yeah, it's a coin with a profile, like, on relief on it, as per usual. And, like, the hat is so decorated with, like, kind of like a sun or a star on the side and a bunch of little, like, dots around it. Very detailed hat. And also the shirt or the armor or whatever he's wearing on his torso also has different decorations. And the beard is more like straight down kind of. And from this profile it reminds me almost to uh, like a, a pharaoh beard. Oh yeah I can see it. It's like a very long wizard beard. Yeah yeah. Yeah exactly. But like it's also this particular representation. Yeah it is. And big soulful eyes. Yeah it's a fun <laughs> fun portrait. I would like to yeah. see it next to the Mithridates portrait to see, like, how similar they are. Because I've forgotten. Yeah, let me see if I can pick it up for you. There we go. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. They do look quite okay, similar. Slightly, yeah, tell. slightly different, but, like, yeah, very similar. Like, also the decorations on the hat and everything, yeah. Mithridates, it might just be like how the coin has survived, but he looks so sad compared to. <laughs> he does uh, look Gotar's very sad, yes. yes. Just like, oh. Yeah. And he has more to be happy about. But, yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. But I guess stress ages you um, if you have to deal with everything <laughs> that he dealt with. That's true. Yeah, he, he had a lot of stuff to work through. It's like, oh. And we do not get, like, with Mithridates, we got the rivers of the coin as well. I mean, this has a similar reverse as well. It's just yeah. I see. I see. It's fine. It's cool. I'll give it. I don't know what I gave Mithridates, but I'll give it a point less, just because. You gave Mithridates an eight. I know, because it was really cool and very different from what we'd had seen. But now this is similar, so I guess a seven from me. A seven. I think I'm gonna go for. I like his beard. Mm -hmm. I like. That his crown is a little bit different to Mithridates, but since the style is so similar, I'm going to go with a a six. I okay. think it's good, but nothing, Fair. nothing crazy. I stay with my seven. Okay, so with a six and a seven, he gets a 3.3 out of five for Face of Faces. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? 
how long does it feel that he reigned, given uh, everything being weird? I will say... Ten years? Yeah, pretty much. He reigned for eleven years. I don't know years. why I keep getting these right, because, like, I don't base them on anything, except gut feeling. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> Well, uh, there you go. Worked out well yeah. enough. Yeah. He reigned 11 years from 91 to 80 BC. Okay. Doing a pretty good job. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Not impressed, sadly. And that leads us to the final score of 16.4 out of 100 for Guitarzis the First, which places him between Artabanus I and Seleucus II, which is, you know, not a terribly impressive place, but it is what you would expect, honestly. It's fine. He is in between people who did a reasonably good job, but nothing overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. And uh, yeah, so that leads us to the final question, which is to say, is no. he like I've already civil forgotten about enough, him? <laughs> fighty enough, dark age enough to be a Shahanshah, or is he just a Shahanshah? It's gonna be really hard to get a Shahanshah out of the dark ages, and that is less of a reflection yeah. on these kings and more of a reflection of we just don't know enough to make them interesting. Yeah, the like, sources you know, aren't helping. It's not us. that they're not interesting, but like you know. Not that many details to be like, oh, and ah, and excellent, wow. Yeah, I mean, so. there are later kings at the tail end of the Dark Ages, which I think are more worthy of the title. Yeah. But no, he is just too... Yeah. Yeah, there, there's Sorry. just not enough meat on his bones yeah. <laughs> to actually go through it. So... Mm. Sorry, yeah, Guitarzis. Sorry, Guitarzis. You can head off into the desert, meet Artabanus II, and say... Things Hi. are a lot better now, but <laughs> yeah. like the fact that the empire is so big also has its own problems. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna have to deal with this for a while. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of our episode, mm-hmm. where we would like to thank you for listening and welcome you to the next episode, which is going to be Orodes the first. More dark ages, but hey, we get to tell a little bit about what happens in the east. Ooh, nice. Or in the west, actually. And, well, if you would like to know even more about the West, why don't you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash so you think you can rule Persia. Here's our proper plug. Yeah, we can do a proper plug now. (laughs) Yes, we are currently voting on what our next episode series should be. There are three possible series, one on ancient Greece, so Themistocles, Alcibiades, and Xenophon. (laughs) The early Moria Empire. With uh, Chandragupta Maurya, Bindusara Maurya, and Ashoka the Great. Or we can look at Mithridates II's neighborhood, where we'll follow Tigranes the Great, as we just saw, Mithridates VI of Pontus, who is the great rival of Rome, or Han Wudi, who is currently ruling in China and doing a great job at it. So if you'd like to join, please do, you'll get a chance to vote and hear the extra episodes whenever they come out. And yeah, we'd also like to thank the very nice people who have joined us on Patreon so far, which are, in uh, order of time, S. Arrowsmith, Hal the Legionnaire, David Wise, Ethan, Robin Schultz, Las Plumas de Simurg, Juan Quiroz, Andrew Schneider, Courtney Smotherman, 
Roberto Toro, Quinn Campagna, and Lucy Hines. Thank you so much for your support. That means a lot. It's really fun because we weren't planning on opening a Patreon at all, but you all requested it, and we're very happy to have you here and to hear your thoughts and, you know, to know that what we're doing makes you happy. So, thank you. Yeah, that's great to hear, so thank you so much. And also, if you don't feel like supporting us monetarily... Which is fine. Yeah, well, you can just write a review for us on your podcast app of choice saying, hey, I like this podcast, it's good, you should listen to it. Yeah. Or something to that effect. But yeah, so all that out of the way, we hope you have a nice week, and we'll see you next time with Orodes the First. Take care. Goodbye. Bye.